Welcome back to Chatting with Copywriters Season 2. I'm your co-host, Kimberly. And I'm Bobby. This season, we have more of your favorite ad breakdowns. Insider marketing and copywriting tips. Interviews and more wacky questions that lead into interesting marketing subjects. In this episode of Chatting with Copywriters, we're going to be talking with Matt Hall, a conversion design expert, both a direct response copywriter and someone who combines design with direct response copy. But before we get into that, of course, Bobby is always going to start us off with a very fun question. So Bobby, what's our question today? Oh, I got a good one for you, Kimmy and Matt. Today, the question is, have you ever been out and had somebody put their foot in their mouth because of an assumption of the way that you presented yourself or the way that, that you were dressed or something like that? Or have you done that to other people? So, Okay, I'm going to go ahead and field this one. Um, yes. <laughs> Every time I go to a conference, I just came back from a conference actually. And for once, I lost count of the number of times people ask me, but no, really, how old are you? Apparently, being dressed up in business casual clothes and wearing makeup and at an official business conference is not enough for people to not assume that I'm about 15. So uh, I've, uh, I've gotten that quite a lot. Um, and it doesn't seem to matter what I'm wearing. Um, I've, I've had it happen before one memorable occasion. I was out with, some, with my, my parents and some family friends. And, you know, we get to the end of the line and we're like, wait. That, that bill seems really low. And we look at it, and I had gotten the kid's price. <laughs> I was 23, and the cutoff was nine for a children's price. Uh, and then I looked down and realized I was wearing an old T-shirt from my elementary school. So, uh, you know, maybe that's why they kind of assumed I was a child. But it happens a lot. Um, so I, I try not to make assumptions about uh, who people are or where they are from or, you know, uh, what their role is at an event, just because I've been on the other side. And I just always kind of ask, okay, so who are you and what do you do so that I can kind of avoid that situation? How about you, Matt? Yeah, you know, um, Kimberly, I was just thinking, that's a really great way to get out of any scenario where someone's hitting on you and you're not interested. You can say, <laughs> um, I'm 14, and they will, or they if they don't leave, then you're definitely not interested back. So, right, right. Good litmus test there. Um, yeah, you know, here's, I had an experience when I was like 21 that I think caused me to always try to figure out who I was talking to first. Um, I went to this class, I was in college and, and there was this girl and I was like trying to chat her up and stuff and, and like halfway through the conversation, I look and she's got an engagement ring and I'm like, okay, um, <laughs> so when are you getting married? And trying to like spin the conversation, like trying to be like smooth, but like, why? Why did I do that? Um, because I was 21 and stupid. But ever since then, it's like, and especially after living in the Bay Area, it's like, I have no clue who this person is <laughs> talking to. I am just going to be quiet until they tell me how to address them because uh, I live in a state of perpetual awkwardness. I'm the kind of guy who's just going to like dive headfirst into the concrete metaphorically in a conversation. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So, uh, you know, that's okay. I, I will be that guy, but usually it's not about someone's appearance, fortunately. So I've been able to uh, avoid that, I think. But then would I even know, right? If you're, if you're not self-aware enough to uh, take that second and uh, pay attention to somebody, are you self-aware enough to even know if you're that guy? Uh, and being like a, a middle-aged white bearded male, uh, I default to being that guy, <laughs> to actively not be that guy as much as possible. 
Awesome. How about you, Bobby? You know, there's many times that my former self was quite capable of putting my foot in my mouth and, you know, the, the assuming, you know, you get people that have got all these tattoos on them and you're like, oh my God, they must be a horrible person or they're evil. And, and, you know, now I have tattoos and I'm like, oh, people aren't evil just because they have tattoos. Um, you know, that type of stuff where you get them and they've got like the wild, crazy hair and they're like, oh, wow, what's up with that? Why do they have purple hair? You know, and so as a, as a former self, I was quite, um, I was quite capable of putting my foot in my mouth and making assumptions. And then I started learning that, you know, quite frankly, people are just really amazing when you give them the opportunity, like in your brain, like when you approach a conversation, you go, this person is amazing and I want to know about them. You can, you, you can attach, you, you really can approach the entire conversation with much more openness and you learn way more about people when you're nice to them and you don't make the assumption that they're one way or the other, but just because of the way that they're dressed or the way that they present themselves. But it also, you know, it, it, it kind of ties into that, you know, how you present yourself. We, a lot of us do it. It's a snap thing. Like we make a judgment on something. We make a judgment call because of the way that something is presented. And that ties really nicely into our topic about design and, and just how you present yourself on the, on the web. So that brings us into, you know, really our, you know, expert today and Matt Hall. So Matt, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and how that kind of plays into the marketing world? Sure. So I'm primarily a direct response copywriter, conversion copywriter, whatever the title is. Um, My goal is to use words that drive measurable results. And so I'm not just trying to like, you know, uh, share happiness with a Coke. That's not what I do. Um, I try to get people to, hey, go to 7-Eleven right now and buy a Coke at the counter. Um, of course, that, uh-huh. that would be a terrible ad campaign. I don't recommend it. <laughs> Just to give you a difference uh, and, uh, your, uh, and understanding the kind of copywriting that I do. And of course, if anyone's listening to this, I'm sure they're very well familiar with uh, what conversion and direct response copywriting are. So um, I was a, uh, a senior conversion copywriter at an agency, and I had been working with my own clients for a really long time. And one of the things that I had to do when I began a new client engagement was usually rebuild their website. And I mean, how many times have you gone in and a client hires you? They're like, oh, we want copy. We have better performing ads. We want to get more sales. And you go to their website and one, the visuals are completely misaligned with what they're trying to uh-huh. do, right? Like, like they're trying to reach a high class client, but their website looks like garbage. Well, that's not going to work. You know? or it looks like it was a late 90s yes. first version. Was it uh, GeoCities or GeoCities? Uh, however, you, I, okay, I used to have that website with a scrolling marquee that would rotate. Um, yeah. Wait, really sad question. Do you call it a biopic or a biopic? My wife, <laughs> my wife calls them biopics, and I'm like, honey, it's a biopic, like a biographical. Yeah. Bio- uh, I go biopic. I like GeoCities, though. I'm going to say that from now on. Okay. Tangent over. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, and, and the other problem that I'd see is maybe a client had a website that was really well designed. It was really beautiful, but it wasn't optimized for conversions at all. The journey, the customer journey was vague. There wasn't ever a clear sense of forward movement through the site towards, mm-hmm. you know, a form fill or becoming a customer or making a purchase. And so it seems like there are these two sides that I notice. And, and with copywriting, it seems like we default to using lots of words. And so that's almost like a third part of this problem, which is you have sites that are really, really wordy, 
but they're targeted mm-hmm. at an audience that would respond really well to visuals too. You can't sell everything with just words. You have Absolutely. to combine, you know, visuals with your with your copy, especially now that people are becoming so visual. Look at the top apps, right? Um, TikTok, which I just discovered this week because I'm a middle-aged dad who's behind the times. <laughs> um, teenagers love TikTok. There's like no words, even the hashtags in like the top trending posts. As a marketer, I'm like, that's a dumb hashtag to use. Why is this working? And I'm so frustrated. Um, <laughs> But it's such a strongly visual medium, and it really just shows how important it is not to neglect that visual element. So I'd come in, and a client website would either be beautiful, but not conversion-focused. It would be maybe conversion-focused, but too worried, wouldn't have the right visuals. Or it would just be uh, a steaming pile of garbage that it wanted to throw in the trash. So... And I'd come in and I'd have to rebuild these websites. So I taught myself web design. Um, I, I started doing a little web design when I was in high school and I've always been interested in it. And I just started building websites for clients. And um, over the years, I realized, oh, this is something that people like, like that I can do as a service. I had opportunities where I was brought on as like a copywriter or content strategist. And then they needed somebody to manage the website. And I'm like, oh, hey, over here, I can kind of do it. And I got some really excellent experience managing like enterprise level sites. So um, I've learned a ton just from doing the work and just getting in there. I don't have a developer degree. I don't have a computer science degree. Bobby, I know you have a computer science background. <laughs> yes, I um, do. He's a recovering computer scientist. Yes, recovering computer scientist. scientist. <laughs> I, I am like a, a pretend computer scientist who never quite, I started as a CS major and then switched to English, uh, mostly math. Um, wow. Oh yeah. And, that's- and now I use math every day more than I think most people. So it's kind of funny how that's come around. We'll get to that. But uh, anyway, so I was building client, uh, building client sites. And when I was working in an agency as a senior conversion copywriter, I'd constantly be having to talk to designers and say, here's why you can't jump up or mess up my copy like that. Right? Like there's that Gary Halbert, classic Gary Halbert letter where he's like, don't touch Don't touch an effing word of my copy or something, which is like, yeah. if you're Gary Halbert, you can say that good mm-hmm. for you. I'm not Gary Halbert. <laughs> you, I'm sure you two write excellent copy for your clients. I'm sure a lot, most copywriters do, but unless you're in like the 0.0001% of copywriters, um, you don't really get to have that ego. Yeah, so absolutely. I found working in the agency, designers and copywriters both need to give a little bit to have the best possible outcome. I found that when I was willing to cut my copy and uh, make it way less wordy because the design worked better with it that way, um, the actual, the conversions went up. It worked better. Uh, audiences responded to it better because I had a right balance of visuals and words. Um, and the designers, I found when I was able to explain to them, hi, our clients are paying us to build this, not because they have money they want to throw away, but because they're trying to get a business outcome. We need to make sure there's an ROI here. Here's why this button needs to stand out and be at the top of the page. Um, uh-huh. Again, our, our outcomes totally improved. So. Now- do you, you know, that you always, there, you hear the phrase that says, um, a picture is worth a thousand words. And how do you marry that? I mean, is it, do, in your experience, do you find that a picture is worth a thousand words or is it more like 500 and then you supplement with like 500 copy, 500 words a copy? I mean, is, is there, you know, cause math is fun and, you know. <laughs> if only we really did live in the matrix and life could be broken down into right? an algorithm, right? Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Just plug Depends in and be like, the blue pill or the red pill? Anyways. Right. <laughs> no red pill here. But um, so, you know, and that really comes down to what your goals are. 
right? What are your outcomes? And I think something people do is they don't take a step back before they're designing a website or writing a piece of copy even and say, what is, what is my outcome going to be? What is, how am I defining a conversion on this page? And how am I going to measure the guy conversion state? Uh-huh. That's where the technology comes in. Um, and then once you have defined what a piece of copy or uh, what a piece of copy, um, maybe like a landing page, whatever the, that asset is, defining how it fits in the user journey, where users are coming from, where users are going to, and then uh-huh. the goal of that page to move them along that journey, whether they're uh, you know, product aware, solution aware, whether that's the framework you're using or, or some other model. Um, the goal is really to be deliberate. And so once you know what you're designing for, then the question becomes, does this visual enhance or take away from the journey that I want them to have? Is this, is this visual distracting? Is this visual too good where people are going through the page and they're getting disconnected from the message because they're looking at this really, really cool photo, but they're not really paying attention to what the photo is supposed to be encouraging them to do. So do you have any, uh, like a list, you know, of the, the cardinal sins that uh, copywriters and or designers try and uh, sneak in when creating something like a landing page, right? We'll just focus on landing pages because those are fairly uh, straightforward. Most people know what they're for, right? The idea is they're going to do something at the end, right? Or in the middle or at the very beginning, it doesn't matter. Uh, but someone gets directed to a landing page. And what are the cardinal sins or what are the three things you, you feel that uh, copywriters uh, want to do but shouldn't be doing or designers uh, want to do but shouldn't be doing? Sure. Uh, let's start with designers and then we can move to copywriters. So with designers, um, the three biggest problems I see is number one, uh, focusing too much on creating an experience that's meant to be visually pleasant but doesn't contribute to the overall journey, not really being purposeful. Um, and what the, I think a lot of people understand, even designers, is graphic design is not really art. Graphic design is communication. And so your communication, yeah. is vi- it's visual communication, and it needs to be clear. It needs to, be, uh, it needs to promote that message that you're trying to send, and that message needs to be deliberate. You're not, this isn't an art museum where they're able to wander through and, and maybe they end up at a conversion point. Um, no, no, no. Everything you do needs to drive towards that measurable conversion. And if you have an image that stands out too much, or if the right um, parts of your landing page don't stand out enough, well, then you're not you're not doing that. So you mean uh, like a purple diamond-looking button that shimmers and sparkles isn't the right thing to use for a... But it's a, so a, pretty! It, it could be in the right page. Uh, and that's the challenge is all this is so contextual, right? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So my answer is split test it, which is a non-answer. Um, no, yeah, no, it's, that, it's but, a true know, answer because it's important, it right? Um, split testing is, I think, one of the hallmarks of any kind of uh, copy we've, yeah. marketing. We've, we've talked about Plan. split testing lots before because, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a data geek when it comes to a lot of that stuff. But uh, yeah, no, it was... Um, one of these days I'll tell you about the purple diamond button that I dealt with. So, but anyways. Love, <laughs> All right. So number one is they focus too much a little bit on uh, the design and not how it's going to move people further. What else? Um, number two is not consulting the copywriter when they make copy changes. Uh, how many times have you been working and you wrote copy for a landing page and then you go look at the finished page and you're like, where did this headline come from? This headline one is grammatically incorrect. So already my, my ears are boiling. Um, and number two, like 
like they just it just doesn't make sense and and there are things that we do as copywriters like we understand the psychology underneath our words we're oh, yeah. very deliberate yeah. in crafting I want them to go from uh, you know pain aware I want to agitate that pain and then I want to introduce a solution well if you mess up a headline or or even worse um my my neck is bristling just thinking about this. <laughs> reordering sections <gasps> i know how many times have you seen that right and you're like yeah well we think this would be much better first because they've got to talk about we've got to hit this and like no i'm like yeah later <laughs> you do need to hit this pain point at the right time and that's exactly. why you're paying me as much as you're paying me just let me do my job yeah <laughs> So that's another one is not consulting the copywriter whenever there's changes that need to be made. And, and, you know, sometimes there are changes and that's okay. We'll get to that in a minute, mm -hmm. but, um, talk, communicate. Yeah. Um, and then the third that one, that one probably goes both ways though too, doesn't it? Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, totally. Uh, and then the third challenge that the designers doing is not, considering the technology they're working with when they're designing something. So if you're designing a landing page on unbalanced or like lead pages, uh, guess what? It's pretty simple. You don't have a lot you can do from a technology standpoint, you know, bells and whistles and stuff like that. Um, and really you don't want to distract from your journey going back to the whole core purpose of the asset. So don't, uh, don't design for technology you don't have. And this is where I think it's really important, whether you're a designer or a copywriter, to really have enough technological literacy where you know what, what you can do, right? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, we're, I think we live in a direct response world. We see a lot of the Agora style pages that are really simple, um, you know, really like this is a sales letter on the internet. And, and the technology use is very minimal. Um, but the uh, uh, one of the things that we can see from outside the direct response world is how well maybe some visual flair or some technological flair can actually improve conversions and grow your brand depending on what works for your audience. Now, when, uh, you know, when you work with a designer, do you try to design for mobile first or do you design for like desktop first? And I mean, I know that a lot of times the answer there is depends too, but we are tend we tend to be moving more towards a mobile environment. So, yeah, definitely. Does it does it do you integrate that from a that design standpoint? Yeah, I would say that uh, I try to design from neither mobile first nor desktop first. I try to make sure my designs are responsive. So what I'm trying to do is consider mm -hmm. everything at the same time. Um, I think even calling something mobile first is kind of a remnant of when things were desktop first and we yeah. had to make that switch. Now it's just like Definitely. everything needs to be designed for an infinite amount of screen sizes. There's no longer one iPhone size screen. Right yeah, now we have right. like five different iPhone sizes or something like that that are in play. So Plus so many people now it's a cross device journey, right? They, they find you on mobile and then you go to desktop and then they eventually make the purchase on a tablet. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that's one, that's one option, right? But everything is so cross device. Now it needs to look great. No matter the device they're looking at. Exactly. And this is again, where understanding the technology really matters. Um, for example, on mobile devices, you can't really have a video background. And so if you have mm -hmm. like a video background in your hero section, for example, that, that works fine on desktop. But you need to make sure that your fallback image is just as compelling as whatever that video was going to be. So that when someone's on a mobile device, the image that they see at the top still furthers the story and furthers them, furthers them towards that conversion. 
You can hear the rest of Matt's interview next week when we dive into the cardinal sins that copywriters commit when talking about design and copy and how they work together. In the meantime, definitely go and check out Matt's website at conversiondesign.org and you can sign up for a free lesson on how to make sure your copy and design work together to get better sales. Thanks for listening to this episode of Chatting with Copywriters where we talked about how design and copy need to go together and make sure to tune in next week when we dive into the rest of our interview. If you like this episode, feel free to smash that subscribe button so you get future episodes delivered to your favorite digital device. We'd love your ratings and reviews, so take a few seconds and let us know what you think. Also, if you want to be on an episode, visit our website at chattingwithcopywriters.com slash guest.